Greg, we're back. And oh, we are back. You asked for a clever intro, and so I'm surprised you have a voice after Saturday. I know, I know. I oh, 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 let me tell you, I did not on Saturday night, nor did I have one on Sat on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, um, in the magic world of podcasts, where the podcast comes out later than we're actually at, but we're all good with that. Greg was the Squatcho Man on the day before Halloween. That's right. People came on down to the Retro Emporium and I handed out candy to those children who were enjoying the great outdoors in their costumes. And the great news is you would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those darn kids. Darn it. It's true. As soon as they unmasked me, then they knew who. No, nobody knew who I was. Did you know (laughs) Scooby-Doo was a Great Dane? I did not know that. I just thought he was like a Dalmatian. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just thought he was a dog. I never <laughs> really thought about Scooby-Doo's breed, right? No, like, I just he thought, thought he was a big, big dog. dog. Big dog. I've got a big sleepy wet dog behind me, but like the, uh, yeah, Scooby-Doo is a great Dane. I had no idea. I had no clue. And uh, as you probably are getting the hang, the idea here is we're going to talk about Scooby-Doo. What? Yeah. We are it's... talking about Scooby-Doo? Who picked yeah. this? You did. Oh, that is awesome. I mean, yeah, I did, didn't I? But I didn't disagree with you. I, I I thought we should do this a couple of times. It's true. You you actually kept throwing you've thrown it out two or three times to the point where I was like, I think I think if I say let's just do this, he there will be no contest. Yeah, I mean, there's literally no argument. I'm like, um, I'm all good with this. Uh, as you might guess, uh, Scooby Doo has a long history. The first TV appearance of Scooby-Doo was in 1969 uh, on CBS. And then they later went to ABC. And uh, unfortunately, with the move to ABC, we went from Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And the new Scooby movies, which Scooby-Doo movies, which featured great people like Mama Cass. Oh, yes. Yes. To the ABC years where we got the Scooby-Doo and Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics and Scooby-Doo and the introduction of the worst character ever in the Scooby-Doo universe, Scrappy-Doo. Yes. Which is no good. The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo was pretty good. That was pretty solid. I, I, You know, I like 13 Ghosts. The movie's pretty scary, and I'm surprised that they would even bring, like, Shaggy in there as a ghost expert. And I was surprised that he got killed so early. And apparently there was a Velma spinoff series sometimes from 2010 to now on on Cartoon Network. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. But <laughs> I, I'm really curious about that, actually. That's that's you, fascinating. You have, you have to go watch 13 Ghosts and see the the Shaggy the Shaggy murder scene though. Wow. Okay. Well that could be that could have be you, interesting. <laughs> uh I think our one uh, listener will <laughs> Well the one listener, what they really care about are comics though. And Scooby Doo appeared the first time in comic books in what? 1969 in December because of the popular TV show. Now I'm going to let you guess and and we're going to test your history here. Even though I know you're going to get it wrong, I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay. What what company published the original Scooby-Doo comic books in 1969? And here is your clue. They also published the original Star Trek comic books. Golden Key. Hey, you knew it. See, I gave you too easy of a clue. <laughs> I, no, I knew that before you even said that. And I am sh- I am saddened that you would think that I wouldn't know this. You're right, because the Gold Key comics are right up your alley and they not are mine. T- 
totally right up my alley. Yeah. These are totally in my wheelhouse of things that I I, I, ha- I literally have in the box right behind me. Yeah. What's even more interesting is Charlton actually published Scooby-Doo issues from 1975 in 1975, which is kind of crazy. And then they went to Marvel. Mm-hmm. Archie did some Scooby-Doo comics. I feel yeah. like Scooby-Doo has been everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why they always ask, where are you? Because they don't know which publisher he's at. And then, they, of course, they got somehow stuck under the Warner Brothers an, uh, banner. So then they ended up in D.C. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we're at. And so we are going to cover, in my estimation, but we're probably going to disagree, but that's OK. I, I was never a big fan of Scooby-Doo. I'm sorry, that's sacrilege. I, I you know, I uh, I'm saddened by this, but I can understand uh, uh, Sco- Scooby-Doo was a show. And of course, like, uh, please judge me, fan, single fan that we have. Please judge me. But I know that the challenge of the Super Friends ended the same way every episode, right? Like they would fight the Legion of Doom and the Legion of Doom would always sneakily get away and Luther would laugh, right? It was the same. Or it'd be like Brainiac, right? Ha ha, I made this device, that magic ray that zaps us away. We'll meet you again, Super Friends. Ha 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 ha, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I hated Scooby-Doo because it ended the same way every episode, right? And so my sister would watch it and I would just be so frustrated. She'd have to run in and watch Scooby-Doo at the same time. I'd be watching (laughs) some other cartoon of some sort, right? Or something. Yeah. I'm like, do we have to watch Scooby-Doo? It's like going to be the same thing every single time. As a grown up, I did come to appreciate the Scooby-Doo movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I love all the guest stars they had. But like when I was watching those in syndication as a kid, what did Mama Cass mean to me? Nothing as a I mean, like as a kid, nothing probably like it was great for an adult watching it with you because there was a, a pop right, culture but we're watching these in syndication from like yeah. oh, you know, yeah. age like yeah. six to age, you know, 10, 12. So right? it, 10, it was yeah. definitely like um, about 15 years removed. <laughs> And I would even say less than that, probably age six to age 10. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, the original, well, they, they were, I was born in 74 and these came out from 69 to 76. So, and that was, uh, the Scooby-Doo movies began in 72. So most of these celebrities, you know, were in their prime when I was, yeah. I mean, they had the original, the original Globetrotter lineup the gilligan's island team (laughs) like i mean and i did appreciate some of them i loved the batman guest star i Uh always loved when batman was on because it was batman i mean shock of shocks i loved the fact that batman was on okay right um and and they had some interesting crossovers like josie and the pussycats it looks like too and phyllis diller yeah phyllis diller like i remember these episodes but why would i like care about phyllis diller as a kid because she's hilarious dan the three stooges those were They're hilarious too. Sandy Duncan was a guest star. Hilarious. <laughs> Is that coming off of Peter Pan? <laughs> Seriously. I'm assuming. I don't know. <laughs> she sold <laughs> wheat thins. <laughs> she sold oh. wheat thins and flew around in a Peter Pan suit. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been how that episode went. I really didn't know anything about Sandy Duncan until like much later. Like we knew who she was, right? But she was like, yeah, you know, these are all things when we were two. Like, yeah, she was Pinocchio. And then later on, she was like, she replaced that on the Hogan family, right? Like, yeah. didn't she replace Valerie? Uh, yeah. Valerie. 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 Is it Valerie yeah. Harper? Yeah. yeah, she was. She she 
It's so I I have a different I have a memory of so there's a like if you go to the Wikipedia page it says she died in a car accident. I have a memory of the episode being where there was a fire in the house and she dies in a fire, which I find just utterly horrific. That's but, pretty horrific. I know, but I remember Jason Bateman being like, I don't know why we should have got we should have got rid of these lamps, Dad. We should have I, I should have got rid of that lamp. I knew it was bad. And it was like the episode was like he set the house on fire because the bat a bad lamp. Well, the best thing it was I mean, not that we're in a complete diatribe from what we're talking supposed to be talking yeah, about, but yeah. it was like Valerie Harper was it was called Valerie. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he changed to the Hogan family. Yeah. And they kicked off the main star. Right. Uh-huh. That, that's so crazy. But anyway, yeah. I mean, until that show, I just knew Sandy Duncan as the Nabisco, uh, like mm-hmm. Weathens person. And then and then she comes on as the aunt and takes over the show and everyone loves her. Right. And so, then we go back and we're watching that on on weeknights and we're watching our Scooby-Doo and and uh, the the episodes and the movies and stuff like that. And she's a guest star on there. And we're like, it's 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 her. So, of course, we're going to know who. Yeah, I mean, and of course. So we are doing a comic book can uh, according to the comic book itself, conceptualized by Jim Lee, but written by two of my favorite people in comics, Keith Giffen and JM or John Mark DeMatteis. I always say his name wrong and I was super conscious about it and I'm probably still saying it wrong. So I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. (laughs) He's one of the nicest humans in comics. He'll just, you go up to his table and talk to him. He's so kind. I don't know if I could say that for, for Mr. Giffen from what I've heard. I haven't actually got to meet him because the show I was going to where I met uh, John Mark was like, uh, was at the same show where Keith was going to be and he came down with an illness and couldn't come. Oh no. So I have JLI number one signed by De Mateus, but not by Keith Giffen yet. Yet. And they're getting up there in years. So I need to get this taken care of. Yeah. And when I say getting up there, they've got good 40 years left. I mean, they're 69 and 68. So yeah. I think we're you probably okay. But I need to be careful, of course. And then uh, the other connection for me with these authors that you don't know is uh, De Mateus is one of the best scripters in comics. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Scripters, right? Like mm-hmm. he's he's scripted so many different things. I mean, he's a writer, too. Right. So I'm not taking that away. He's written everything. He's written episodes of Justice League Unlimited. He's written episodes of Lost, I think, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Uh, he's. But he also excels as a scripter when he's put together in partnerships with good plotters uh, like Keith Giffen. And he reigns Keith Giffen's writing in. And it it, it ta- I, I'm just going to turn this over to you for a second because he's one of my favorite scripters. And I feel like this is something you write with a writing partner. Right. And you yeah. know, tell tell the group what it's we've I've asked you this before. Right. But, you know, draw this comparison. I think we talked about this when we did the original JLI episode. Um, but talk a little bit about that relationship between a, a great, you know, two great writers, right? That know what they do. But how do you define the roles, right? Clearly, Giffen has said, I'm going to plot. And De Mateus has said, I'm going to script. Uh, but what are your, you know, how do you work that out as a partnership? I It, it kind of depends on the project. So, um, and it depends on the, the project and the writing partner. Uh, Writing with Mike Tanner on any of our projects, the the way that we've always written uh, since college has always been um, I I I plot stuff out 
and he 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 scripts and then we get to a point sometimes where we might uh we get to a a point where we can kind of like run parallel to each other and do a few pages of our own stuff and then meet back but generally speaking we'll we'll work through a document and i'll just talk through stuff and then he'll he'll, we have a we've developed kind of a shorthand and he'll just start punching in stuff and then as as he's punching in stuff and getting the um the the meat of what i'm saying and then we'll just go back and then i'll just start kind of like typing back over the document again as he's moving into the next part that i've just spoken about it it, we just kind of like go back and forth that way and that that seems to work really well for us um with uh with travis webb on on our projects uh, like Starlight, we've we've written uh, in a different different way where he comes up with the master plot and and I do the scripting action. So even though he can script and he scripted out thousands of pages uh, without me, of course. But I mean, but at least with this project, it's one that that it works better for us to just like um, you know unglue everything and put it back together that way. So and it and it's a it's a role reversal from what I'm used to with, with Mike. So it just, like I said, depends on the project, depends on the writing partner, depends, depends on the comfort level as well. And sometimes two different people balance each other out differently uh, on whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes when you're just singularly going at something, um, you just kind of like throw out the different things, the ideas, and then script it out. I mean, um, you and I have, have written some stuff we're, we're working on, on some stuff and it's definitely throw out the idea and, and then just sit there and, and kind of work through the motions of, of getting the scripting out. And that's kind of, uh, I think when I, when I work through stuff on my own, that's kind of how I, I throw out all the, all the stuff on the wall, like all the spaghetti and, you know, see if it sticks. And then, then I just kind of just go back there and rearrange it. <laughs> I think the fun too that the at least the fun when I when I met uh, John Mark and we talked for a few minutes. I asked about the process, and of course, I wished I had an audio clip. But he mentioned the fun he had doing this with Keith Giffen, not just this, but all of their collaborative work. That's why they keep doing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the enjoyment you have of working with a partner and being able to talk it through with the partner and and working together on it. Oh yeah, no. When you get on that on that that role, if you will, and you're, you're working with your creative partner on something, uh, you could, you could be totally drained from a long day, a bad week, whatever. And then all of a sudden you're just, you're just jamming through whatever that thing is. And all of a sudden you both realize it's 12 o'clock and you both have to work up for your, wake up for your day jobs that you work at, uh, you know, uh, at six o'clock AM, but that means you still have to get up an hour to two hours earlier, depending. And, uh, you're like, or whatever, you know, that your, your days might be different, but it's one of those things where you're like, Oh, Hey, I, I, it is, it is like, I literally have to go to bed, but I'm still keyed up. (laughs) Right. And we've been, been plugging away for like six hours after working and eating and then, you know, jumping back into this thing. And it's just like, it, it just happened. Sometimes it's just how 
<laughs> the processes. And sometimes you just hit that, that, that moment of like 12 o'clock. You're like, you know what? Let's just power through for a couple more hours and just knock this thing out. Well, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, let's, uh, let's chat a little bit too. Um, just briefly. I mean, I just want to give, you know, the, some credit to, obviously they did uh justice league international mm-hmm. together and, and, uh, you know, super fun. That's oh, definitely Blue Beetle booster gold as everybody remembers from that group. And some of my favorite stories in there. Yep. And I, I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to focus on everything they've written separately. I just want to kind of focus on a couple of things they've written together. They did a, a relaunch of that too, like the formerly known as the justice league and uh, a couple of other collaborative pieces. And of course they did, uh, they did uh, this piece here, the Scooby-Doo apocalypse. But I mean, <laughs> Keith Giffen and, and uh, Giffen is also an artist, right? As far as, you know, in penciler and extraordinaire. <laughs> and uh, they've, they've done every, I mean, if you look at their writing credits independently, they've done everything, right? All the stuff. And it's absolutely insane. Yeah. The amount of, of uh, it's absolutely ama- amazing the amount of stories that these two individuals have shared with others. Yeah, no, and, and it's like the what they've shared with others, what they've what they've created, what they've worked uh, worked on, built, and kind of just what these stories have, how they've inspired and shaped uh, a generation of creators, and they're continuing to shape. Yeah, and just for a note, I may have been wrong about that lost thing. I just kind of tossed that out there, but I don't see that in the television credits at the moment. But I will double check that. Jeez, you got lost in this stuff. And then you just said he wrote Lost. Well, he did write four episodes of Legion of Superheroes cartoons. So <laughs> John John Mark DeMatteis did. And of course, Keith Giffen wrote tons of Legion of Superheroes. Well, co-plotted, wrote, plotted, wrote, drew. Yeah, I mean, just, I'm, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm like... I would, I don't, I wouldn't be able to speak in front of him. So, you know, that's, that's, (laughs) that's the important part. Yeah. But the, the great thing, uh, you may not know this, but, (laughs) uh, Damateus scripted one of the worst, at least by fans. I don't know if I think it's the worst, but by fans, uh, one of the worst Legion of superheroes stories in history. Ooh, what is it? It was Dr. Mayabelle was the character in it. And it was just awful. Uh, we'll, we'll go back and look it up some other time. And it was uh, around the Jerry Conway writing era, right before uh, Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen took over the book and then had Great Darkness Saga and some of the best stories ever. Uh-huh. So it's kind of funny to me that they're writing partners, but one of them wrote one of the worst stories from my favorite comic book, theoretically. <laughs> and then one wrote, you know, all the best stories from the book. So I always think that's funny. It, You know, it happens, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, you can't all be good, but I mean, we're, we're talking scripting this book. He was scripting it for somebody else too. So I don't yeah. think it was full writer credits. I think it was scripting credits. So, Hey, you know, sometimes as a scripter, you do the best with what the company gives you when you're young, right? That's right. You do with what you got. And that story was in Kiosh, like 1980. So this should just tell you the story I'm referring to. So this should just tell you how long uh, both of these folks have, have been great at their craft. Very long. Well, let's uh, jump into the story itself and have a little bit of fun with this. We've done like when Scooby-Doo happened and we've talked about our two writers. We also have Howard Porter on art, which is going to make the book beautiful. And as I did note, uh, uh, Jim Lee was given credit for inspiring the series and also drew the main cover of the book. So they were really all in with the Scooby-Doo apocalypse. I mean, a Jim Lee cover. 
Mm -hmm. We're going to put two heavy hitting writers and one of our top artists on this book. They did not cheat this book at all, did they? No, not at all. Um, It's definitely like I it's it definitely is one of those things when they're like they're they said, hey, we're going to uh, relaunch this this property and and give it a good spin uh, for for a new audience and give them something different to check out. And this is definitely a way to get it out there give them a really good looking cover, which um, I'm going to say it is a beautiful cover, but boy, oh boy, I was, <laughs> it was the, uh, the bait and switch cover. Yeah. A little bit. Cause I'm like, I'm not seeing any of this. Where is it? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a very, it's a very Jim Lee conceptualized the book and then drew his own cover. Yeah. It's, it's a cool, it, it looks really good. Although I'm like Fred and a big tribal tattoo on that bicep. You know, I believe Fred would have that. You think so? I do. That's very I, Fred. It's, I guess you're right. That is. Yeah, I mean, if Fred. Fred was plopped in, if Fred was a fraternity boy. Oh, in yeah. The late yeah. 2000s. OK, yeah, yeah. 100%. And then following Daphne around later, he would have gotten a tribal tattoo. And yeah. that's just that's a given. Yeah, 100 percent. The uh, yeah, it, yeah. And I think uh, it's actually really a foreshadowy cover. I think the cover represents what the series is supposed to be more of what as opposed to what the single issue is supposed to be. So I can yeah. see how you would have felt cheated. And it's weird because I look at the cover now and I don't feel cheated at all. Right. Like, I feel like this is what the series was about. And yeah. so I, I, yeah. I, 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 I could see that, I suppose. I was just like I, I was like, oh, man, this is this is going to just jump off hot i think my favorite cover of the group honestly is the uh the one that's totally has nothing to do with anything that's going on but it's the one with scooby running away with the scooby snack in his mouth from the spider that looks like something right out of another comic book i've been reading lately (laughs) it does it does look a lot like um like a a spider from the even a painted cover yeah. 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 Well, anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't know any books. Um, though I would just share on the podcast that, man, I'd really like to know what the alt cover looks like on that comic book that I bought on Kickstarter. It didn't get it. I'm just saying it'd be really cool to know what it looks like. Huh. And get to see it. It hasn't arrived yet. I'm so sad. Yeah. I mean, I it have must... the main cover. I, I, it was supposed to be taken care of. I have no no control over that. It was, but it was supposed to be taken care of. Oh, I see. Okay. I mean, that's. I show me the we've, love. We've had that conversation. You're show me supposed the love. to. I get it. You're supposed I'm, to. You're yeah. Supposed so I to, called it out on the podcast. Yeah. That's, that's why. Well, he's yeah. not going to hear it. <laughs> I know. That's, that's why it's a safe space. Safe space for you and I. This is true. We know. We know. We know. The co-host of Narrative Gunslingers will never, ever, ever listen to this podcast. It's true and sad. He won't. Just like. The patriarch, co-patriarch of the uh, mothership. Yes. Of, of the spoiler verse. The voice of Cthulhu. John will never, oh. ever come on this podcast. Oh, not the voice of Cthulhu. Yes, no. yes. Father. Once again, John has failed to appear. He said he was going to be here this week. He's he's failed to appear again. It, oh, it's, man. It's starting. I'm just wondering if he ever does. Does he even know what we do? No, I don't think so. I, but he 
keeps saying yes. Like, can we do this? Yeah. I don't I don't know. Well, I think we should get into Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. All right. The, the main cover you were talking about has the Scooby team. Yep. Uh, a little bit different. They look modernized, but we got Daphne with a big gun. We got, uh, let's see, Fred with his with tribal it. tattoo and another and hair gun thing and a hairdryer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that the is that the Bugaloo zapper? Yeah. The Benita Bazaar would shoot the Bugaloos with. Yeah. And and now I've just lost like our one listener because they're like, what are the what? Bugaloos? Yeah. It's OK. Don't worry. They'll 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 come back for something else. And then we've got uh, a shaggy looking like he's going to pour us a coffee or get us a craft beer. Yeah, I, I think or or he went to Evergreen. Uh, hey, 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 now that's close to home. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I look nothing. What? When the shoe fits. I mean, I, I look nothing like him today. Uh huh. Although, I mean, I, oh, God, I do. Yeah, well, anyway, and uh, <laughs> then we've got uh, Velma down there with her classic, not classic glasses, but big glasses and a yep. uh, game controller and. Summon and then Scooby's wearing this uh flying eyeglass a drone. thing. Yeah, yeah Scooby's just... wearing this eyeglass thing and a whole yeah. bunch of emojis are coming out of him. That's what <laughs> are they are they are they emojis or are they dog emojis? So they're demojis. I think they're supposed to be I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> it's how he talks. He talks as an emojis. Well, we've uh, got some alt covers too featuring Daphne and Fred and Scooby and Shaggy and Velma. So, yep. cute how they did that. I only have one cover, so I did not buy all six covers or whatever. No, I only got I got the the one with the team, the team cover. That's well, the one we I start the uh, we start the 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 comic, interestingly enough, in Paris and Velma is standing on a balcony and she throws this green vial out into the world. Yeah. And says she hopes this will save the world. OK. That's mm-hmm. a little interesting. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it's such a departure from Velma. Yeah, because she's so she's usually just kind of like she's this is this is her being in the forefront. And usually she's she's so background. I can't find my glasses. Yeah. I mean, she's comic relief. Yeah. And or solving and solving yeah, the mystery and solving the mystery. Yeah. She's like, I mean, she's she's doing everything, but in the background she's like oh i got this but here's velma initiating the plot of the story yeah. which oh, is very my. different very different and i love it i, yeah. I love it I, I read the first page. i think i read the first page like three times when i got the book <laughs> the first time i'm like okay i, I this this is going to be different yeah, so yeah. we get into the story and we've got Giffen on plot and breakdowns and DeMatteis on dialogue and more dialogue mm-hmm. as their partnership sends to go. Howard Porter on pencil and inks and Hi-Fi on color. Nick J. Knapp on letters. Brittany Holzer, assistant editor and Marie Jarv- Javins, sorry, editor. And it says based on a concept by Jim Lee. And so we've got... Uh, some great artists. Uh, how, they went all out on this book. I mean, oh, we yeah. got Neil Adams mm-hmm. on variant covers. Yeah. We got Joel Neil Adams Jones. and Alex Sinclair doing a variant cover. Joel Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. I mean, <laughs> when's the last time you had Neil Adams and Joel Jones doing variant covers on a book together? Yeah. I, I, I'm sure they'd get along great. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can only imagine the conversations. <laughs> I can imagine the conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we get back and we've got uh, got Fred and Daphne together and they look like they're at a big festival. It looks like Burning Man. Oh, I've never been to Burning Man. So is that I see what Travis Burning in Man the background. Like? So I. Oh, okay. I'm just joking. <laughs> ah, I, I, okay. Yeah. Now that I'm looking. Okay. It looks like it looks like the Burning Man. Um, and they're kind of sparring at each other mm -hmm. and, uh, Fred's complaining and making fun of Daphne. And we get into the next page and we discover that Daphne is Fred's camera or sorry, backwards. Fred backwards. is Daphne's camera person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Daphne had a show, uh, where she did mystery Daphne Blake's mysterious mysteries. And it's been demoted to like some other channel. The knitting channel. The knitting channel at 4 a.m.? Is that yes. right? Yeah. Uh, brilliant. It's a uh, perfect time to watch it. And so she's at Burning Man trying to create her next uh, masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, the knitting channel. There's always something to see there. So we've got a washed up shock TV journalist. Yeah. And their camera person. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we flip scenes and they're headed off and we have a familiar looking pup. Oh, yeah. And uh, and a shaggy. Uh, yeah. With a Movember. <laughs> Movember shaggy. Movember shaggy. Fitting. Yeah, Movember shaggy. And yeah, oh, it's very fitting. Yeah. And shave. Scooby. It's clearly Scooby because he says, rut row, rut 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 me, Reggie. Yeah. So I'm going to do such a bad Scooby-Doo through all this, but it's going to be great. And this... uh. So they're chatting and uh, he talks about a headset, putting a headset on him, says he's going to stand up like a, stand out like a sore thumb and so they can communicate better. And they look around and he goes ahead and puts the headset on him anyway. Yeah, because like, I mean, like, look around. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's not, he's not the, he, he won't be the weirdo. <laughs> and so what we learn is that uh, when the uh, sunglasses are on, or glasses are on. Uh, it shows emojis, or so, so he you can see. So both Scooby can communicate through words, pretty simple phrases and sentences, but also Shaggy can see what Scooby's feeling yeah. when they're walking around. So they know they're hungry. So he offers them like Indian food and all sorts of things, and they settle on pizza after that. Yeah, which makes sense. I think my dog would would agree on pizza. that. Yeah, it's the way eating to go. some pepperoni pizza. So they head off to get their pizza and then we flip and we get introduced to Velma for the first time. Hey. And uh, they stare at a lab and they're tracking uh, Shaggy. He's out. And they are complaining about Shaggy going out and taking the dog out with him again. And Velma's trying to sneak around and get out of there. It looks like carrying some clipboard. Mm -hmm. And she starts her own monologue. <laughs> she's running and comments on her own monologue, which is beautiful. And uh, <laughs> true. She doesn't want any of these goons following her. Very Velma speak, if I might say. Yeah. Great job scripting that piece. I love that. And I love how the scripting sometimes references like the TV show too. you get nice touches. Like if one of those goons is following me, you know, it, it, very nice touches to the, yeah. to the original characters, even though they're doing different things with them. They're slightly different, but they're still similar enough to make you feel just at home. 
And she says her life matters a lot, but she's got to clear her head and focus her mind. And she's headed out for a meeting in there. Now we get a picture of Fred pacing around, being impatient for Daphne. And they're still complaining at each other about the show and arguing about everything. And things are just not going well. And then a rock (laughs) just pops out of the ground. And Fred throws his camera at Velma and knocks her out. Yeah, like okay, you're a camera, you're a camera person. Your main, your main money maker. It's your camera, and you. But the throw... best is he looks at her and yells, "Mole people!" Yeah, and throws it at her. Right. So, uh, tell me, yeah, who was the first Fantastic Four villain? The mole people. <laughs> I love that callback so much. I was gonna. <laughs> my second guess is the cameraman. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's only for Ben Grimm. Uh, <laughs> only a face a mother would love. Yep, exactly. So Velma gets knocked out and Daphne's just totally making fun of Fred because he's an idiot. And uh, yeah, so we flip the page and now uh, we get uh, a, a Burning Man classic, apparently. A ripe crust, brother, completely gluten-free. I guarantee, brother, that you and your companion will love it. And they're eating a pizza that's gluten-free and has, like, no meat on it. And uh, Scooby's not super interested for some reason. Yeah. Like, vegan, sh- fake cheese, fake meat, fake crust. Yeah, okay, cool. Sounds like pizza. The classic. It's- Pizza, not pizza. I mean, I that's the only kind of pizza I can eat. So, I mean, like you can, I, you can eat pizza with a real cheese on it. I, oh, yeah, I can eat pizza with real cheese. on. It. I've, 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 I've opted to eat the the fake cheese, fake meat pizza on the gluten free dough. And How'd that go? Eh, Did it it's taste okay. like th- Yeah, it does smell like poop. Did you agree with Scooby's assessment? Everything smells like poop. Well, anyway, Scooby freaks out and starts <laughs> running away. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> like, no comment. And uh, Scooby's blitzing away, and we find Dr. Dinkley Dr. on the ground. Dinkley. And uh, Velma's getting woken up. Uh, Fred's very good at waking people up. He taps them on the face, you know, no water or anything. Or... Hey, hey, you. <laughs> Sorry. You. In the space, I hit you with that camera. <laughs> and uh, Velma interrupts. Uh, Fred and Daphne from arguing again. It's just like at this point, Fred and Daphne will, will you please get a room? Yeah. Let's get a room. We, we get it. Okay. Duh. So, uh, and, uh, then all of a sudden Scooby appears to protect Velma. Whoa. That's what he heard. So he heard Velma getting hurt and now Scooby's there and yeah, Fred, thinks he's it's ready. a werewolf. Well, he, Fred's not very bright. I'm Fred well, is a we're, dumb. Werewolves look like great Danes. Apparently. With a eye, with a with like a eye with a monocle, <laughs> like an eye a monocle and a a robot neck piece. Well, and she says she must have read some field emanations from her glasses, perceived them as a threat, and she's telling Scooby to heal, and he goes, "Roki." So Scooby just like completely chills out, and here comes Fred, who's now going to be in, or sorry, Shaggy, who's now going to be in trouble from letting Scooby off leash on top yeah. of bringing Scooby out. <laughs> and then obviously Velma's super excited to have somebody from the lab show up at her chance meeting with the journalists. Yeah. Ah, uh, busted. This is going really well. You know, it's uh, Velma yeah. is not a very good uh, secret agent. 
No, she's not. I have to say, though, I do like that bottom panel, the two bottom panels where it's split and you get two Velma faces explaining it to everybody. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. Yeah, it just looks are, really good. Are you it, saying it, Howard Porter is really good at his job? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story is Howard Porter is a really good artist. You know what else I like about this book? Just as a side note, What's as that? we turn the page. I think in the past, way back, gosh, I'm going to have to go back up and look at the episode number, but way back when we did the uh, the Justice League issue mm-hmm. with the, the fight between Blue Beetle and Guy Gardner. Yes. It was a world where the characters were there, right? But we commented a lot in the, that episode about uh, Giffen and DeMatteis taking characters that were not used a lot like they didn't try to keep batman in the book for example like they Mm -hmm. took a blue beetle and a booster and guy gardner and fire and ice and oh yeah other characters that weren't being written a lot and so they could create stories for them and script them in a way that made them real and unique and i think the fun thing about doing the scooby gang in this way is they could apply that to this book as well yeah you could get them in a different put them in a couple different roles that aren't the norm for each one of these characters. And since the Scooby characters in the cartoon, at least were very two dimensional, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy for DeMatteis and the scripting to give them a third dimension. Yeah. And build um, based on, and, and, you know, as again, it was plot breakdowns and scripting, right? So Giffen's plotting this out and then DeMatteis is delivering it masterfully with the script as a writing partnership, they can really build depth to these characters that we haven't seen before. Developing the characters even more than we'd already known them to be. What? And develop them into this conceptual story, right? Yeah, so yeah. we're building it in. Well, so no. now we get and, and giving them all sort of like plausible backgrounds that I could believe, right? Yeah. Like we had no idea how these you don't know how these they get together you know, in the cartoon. I just assumed they were all smoking pot and dropping acid in a van one day and just ended up solving mysteries together. I, I, I thought that they were like two roommates and a friend going to from school or something like that. And they picked up a hitchhiker and his dog. And then and where did Velma come from? They were dropped clearly. Like, I didn't think this is a child, but they were clearly dropping acid and smoking a lot of pot and headed onto a hippie commune and then decided to start solving mysteries together. No, I thought they were, I thought, I, I thought Daphne and Velma were roommates and Fred was their friend from college. Fred had a car friend. Yeah. The mystery machine. Yeah. Right. Do you think they named it the mystery machine because they used to solve mysteries or is it because of the cadre of drugs in the back? Well, I mean, I was like a kid. I don't know what I, I mean. Scooby was time. always hungry. Yeah. So, was so? I, I don't know what I thought at the time. And a big cloud came out of the back. Well, yeah, as a kid, I didn't Hibachi, like the show at all. man. Hibachi. As a kid, I didn't like the show at all. So there you they go. Were cooking things. But the they were just driving around solving mysteries. Yeah, they were the they were kids too. But they of weren't course. kids because they were driving around the country in a van together. They were they were you you're asking a lot of questions, Dan. Well, anyway, I was just establishing <laughs> that there was a lot of fertile ground for the writers to play with here uh, to develop some fun characters. True. So now we can get into this, and yeah, uh, they're in there and they're learning about Project uh, Lice. Elysium? Elysium? Okay, we'll go with Elysium for now until I change my mind. It, so- it, it, it sounds like the, the movie Elysium with Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Okay. Yeah. 
Hey, the dogs are here. <laughs> the dogs. Oh my gosh. I bet got you the dogs on this podcast uh, and my phone. I'll be right back. All in one podcast. There's delivery. I'll be right back. It's DiGiorno. <laughs> well, Greg's headed out of here and I'll go ahead and give us a little bit more analysis on this page before Greg gets back. So basically we're in project Elysium and uh, Velma is explaining what we're going to do with the, uh, the project here, noting it's a privately funded piece concerned about ultimate survival of the human race. And so they're working on some sort of project to save humanity, apparently. And Shaggy keeps talking about how the fact that he doesn't know anything about this safe zone or any place they're going into. But Shaggy, as it's pointed out by Velma, is just a dog trainer. And then they start getting in the records and Daphne starts making fun of Shaggy for his name being Norville. And maybe that's why he's called Shaggy. So what we're finding out is Shaggy is extremely gifted with animals, but not much else. So not too much anything going on in there. So now we start getting into this and uh, they start talking about nanites. And of course, Greg, I was just saying we get to talk about nanites on this page. Nanites. Nanites back from the best episode with Wesley Crusher on on Ooh. next gen ever, right? Yeah, of course. The nanites are back. Awesome. The nanites are back doing nanite things. And they're like, nanites, aren't those microscopic machines? Row, row. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we find out um, these, yeah, and Velma clarifies, hey, correct. And these particular machines root unseen in their human host, transforming them and then into what? And they don't know. Exactly. Like, the nanites infect us. Oh, wait, is OMAC going to appear? Maybe. It is a, <laughs> when it gets down to it, it's a DC book. Anything it could can be happen. OMAC. We could have some OMAC. <laughs> That would actually be awesome. I can't wait for issue four when Superman guest stars. Shut up. Don't get my hopes up. It's going to be so great. It's going to be like in the, is it third episode issue of US1 when Spider-Man shows up? Yeah. Or when Midnighter shows up? I don't think Midnighter is going to show up. Well, he could come through a door if he remembers how to use them. Yeah. Well, anyway, we keep going on with the story here and they're in the safe zone again. And now... They start talking about Scooby's origin. And what we find out is Scooby was a failure in the project. And this gets uh, Shaggy and Velma into a fight. Oh, yeah. And they're talking about how he was the first dog they experimented on. And they were trying to create a talking dog and everything. And uh, then we find out Scooby's origin. Or not yet. We will find out Scooby's origin. Sorry. Mm -hmm. But the uh, we find out that he was a failure. And Shaggy sticks up for him. So Scooby gets to stick around for a while. And now they're, of course, into another high security area. And now they venture down into a like it looks like like a bomb shelter, like they've created yeah. some sort of like magical living room. It's and they say, welcome to the heart of Project Elysium. Elysium. Did I get it yes. right? Elysium. OK. Elysium. Welcome to the safe zone. And Shaggy goes, zoinks. <laughs> and she says, that's one way of putting it. So they head down into the safe zone and, you know, these panels are cool. Yeah, they are cool. I like the little six panel grids, but I like the angularity of them, especially as they're exploring mm -hmm. with the camera. Yeah. And they start talking and Velma's still talking in code, original intent, urge of violence. And she, she says it's ballooned, the project, it's ballooned. Considerably. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Daphne digs in. Okay, according to these documents you just handed me, I all sound like the journalist expert. She was one of the team that dispersed the tech virus from key points on the planet, London, Paris, Mumbai, Moscow, Beijing. The nanites were self-replicating, spreading quickly to every corner of the globe. Mm. So that's what she was doing in Paris. Oh, no. Dastardly troublemaker. And she notes that they weren't just weeding out the negatives in human nature. They were breeding a sort of passivity, like making a passive populace. Oh. And now, uh-oh, it's talking about their pure motives. And then Daphne drops the H-bomb <gasps> as Hitler felt that way. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at. Now we've got a fight between the scientist and the journalist, which always goes well. Yep, of course. Well, then we get, if we find out that the virus is still dormant and it won't activate until the four and only four, a uh, key in an activation protocol. So now we find out eerily enough in a comic book written in 2016 that there's a dormant virus out in the world ready to be activated. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. As I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, what's going to, oh. Oh, COVID. Oh. Yeah, great. Forcing people to become docile. Yeah. <laughs> and slaves to their government. Whoa. Man, QAnon <laughs> must have read this for their marching orders. Oh, my like God. Their response to the virus. Look at this. Scooby Apocalypse played out exactly. It's exactly what we'd always, we knew. Oh, man. They knew. They knew. That's, they knew. I, I had no, I had forgotten how much of QAnon's theory was right here. <laughs> they they just sat there and they reread all these books and then they just, they just kept sending it out. <laughs> well, world. we, we keep moving on and uh, she talks about following orders and this is not going too well. And mm -hmm. they start asking about doing things and stopping things and. Fred says, well, Daph, looks like you got your big story you were looking for. Too bad the world, it's too bad the world as we know it's going to end. And then she just punches him in the face. Crunk. Which, all right, now we're resorting to violence. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. So stressful situations, man. And then we get, oh, 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 uh -oh sirens. And oh, they're all no. down there. The uh -oh. klaxons are ringing. Yep. Doors close. The nanites, <laughs> they've been activated. Shoot. Said, but you said that can that only the four could do that. And she says, that's right. Then how? I don't know. We've got a thousand fail safes in place to prevent this very thing. Like all good mad scientists do. But the fail safes uh -huh. fail. Yeah. And she said, maybe not the activation protocols. Maybe it's just a malfunction, a glitch. Ah, uh, we know all about those glitches when it comes to viruses. Yes. And Shaggy's like, maybe you can turn off the alarm. And she's yeah. like, yeah, deafness will be the least of our problems. Velma gets into it and then the lights go out. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> and now uh, we get to a last page and uh, everybody outside of the safe zone and Burning Man has become Monster Mash Man. No, yeah. I hope <laughs> I hope somebody has a cell phone and they're in trouble. Yeah, well, they're in trouble. Apocalypse right now. So you sort of got the first cover. They're yeah. not fighting the monsters yet, but you do get yeah. the monsters by the end of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of monster action. We got a little creature from the Black Lagoon action here. Mm -hmm. Got a werewolf, got like a, a, a mummy. Uh, Demons. Got, yeah. Uh, like a zombie looking thing. Some, uh, and they're not playing well together. No, they're not. They're having, it's an all out brawl and something that remotely. We got an alien back behind werewolf. We got an alien face. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a lot like, of different stuff like out there. Like he's an alien. The movie was Sigourney Weaver, alien face. Exactly, know? yes. Oh, this is fun. Yeah. I, yeah. And then we get story two. Story two. Two stories for the price of one. Oh, I love two stories for the price of when one. When Shaggy met Scooby, we do get the, this is by Giffen, DeMatteis, and Porter. Again, with Travis uh, Lanham on letters and Brittany Holzer editing and Mar- Marie Jarvis. Javins, sorry, not Jarvis, sorry, Marie, Marie Javins, uh, steering the mystery machine as the editor. Okay. Three years ago. So the complex, yeah. Hey, hey, you got it. Three years ago. Why why don't you take this story? Oh, no, I can't. I can't do it as the justice as you do. Oh, I'm sure. You, you just hit the three years ago. No, I, I, I can do I can do those. Oh, I just have to summarize things. I'm sure yeah, you, everybody loves listening to all of my summaries. <laughs> but of, you of do the them pages. so well, Dan. Well, we have a giant splash page here with Shaggy Whoa. and a scientist, and we've got Shaggy. We got Shaggy coming in saying, "Hey, I'm a low rent dog trainer, landing a gig, working in a place that develops super tech for the military is never going to seem mundane. Always a good way to start your life. They they have very comfortable. Well, they look comfortable. Sh- Shaggy shoes. <laughs> Maybe Shaggy shoes don't look comfortable, but the other dude's shoes look pretty comfortable. Yeah, he has scienty shoes. Shaggy has like. He has the exact shoes I expect him to be wearing with those jeans. Okay, why does Shaggy look like <laughs> Shaggy looks like he he in the in the last in the last story he looks like he came out of a coffee house. In this story, he's looking more. Well, he had a few know. years to grow out that. He had a few years to yeah. grow out that mustache. I think we get the second page though. It's yeah, he just hasn't grown out the full mustache yet. I think. That's okay. It. Okay. Gotcha. So they, the scientist is talking to Shaggy. Shaggy's not making much sense of it, but he's talking about his his canine IQ, so his keen ability to work with dogs um, as opposed to people, and they're kind of discussing that. Or being in the Burger King. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And they yeah. start heading in, and there goes Doctor Dinkley walking by. So there goes mm-hmm. Velma, and uh, and he asks Shaggy asks if that's a big wig around here, and the doc other doctor says, "Yep, yeah, based on the way she treats everyone else." So, oh yeah. We're given precious little information about matters above our pay grade. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a a crazy mad scientist layer to me. Yeah. So they head to a big place with a paw print on it. This is canines this way. Oh, canines this way. And they head over to the kennel and we see a whole bunch of mean dogs. dogs. And they got their all their glasses on and their their robot warrior mecha attached to them and then yeah. a dog with nothing. And then there's a little, little, there's some bigger dogs and there's a little tiny dog down in the middle. A uh, little scrapper. A little scrap. Yeah. He seems like a scrapper. Well, yeah. So anyway, we start to get a dog fight and the dogs go start taking after Scooby and one bites his leg and not okay. Um, Scooby's just trying to run away mm-hmm. and, uh, Shaggy steps in and tells the other dogs to back the hell off and makes them go. And the dogs listen to him. He's the, he's an alpha apparently in the way he talks to dogs. It's it, this, this whole entire, this, all this reminds me of uh drastic world. Chris Pratt going into the uh, enclosure with blue and the rest of the, the Raptors. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm sure that was the whole, like the, the inspirational layup. I don't know. When was the I wonder what the uh, around the same time or it was like a little bit earlier than this is when that movie came out. 
And I, I was going to, uh, my, my comment was that he had a, a Chris Pratt, a Chris Pratt look to him. But then all I can think of right now is Chris Pratt looking like Garfield stuffed in a Luigi costume. Yeah. He does have a Chris Pratt look to him though. I'm, is he going to be Luigi or Mario? I can't remember. Mario, Mario. Oh, geez. Well, I won't worry about that, but he does have definitely a Chris Pat Pratt look to him. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the whole like back off, <laughs> you know, that that whole movement thing is very like blue. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, there he is and he saves Scooby and Scooby goes back to his corner cowers. And they're like, we should have destroyed, uh, had this poor creature destroyed months ago. Death could certainly be preferable to this. He's like, I'll write up the order. And they're like, and Jackie's like, I'm not killing my new friend. So, yeah, that's how this goes. And this is fun. <laughs> he's now, now he's, now he's, he's like Shaggy the dog whisperer. And he's, he's got a dog and mean dogs. He's got mean dogs, but he's got a dog friend for life. His buddy hey. Scooby. He saved his but life. Scoobs. It's like and he went to a shelter. And he should have read his contract a little bit better because obviously. <laughs> yeah, he gets talking dogs and he can be disemboweled and that's okay. You know, yeah. No insurance for that. No insurance. no insurance for disembowelment. But hey, we can get a beer later. <laughs> it's all good. T for teen. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Well, we go to the next page and oh. that's it. That's it. I we get we get a. Uh, advertisement for dc universe rebirth yeah well this is a little old you know a couple years five six (laughs) yeah it's well you know how old it is because do you see one of the artists on rebirth hold on oh yeah (laughs) i don't think that person will be working for dc comics anytime soon no no especially with phil jimenez in the same book never again yeah that must have that must have, I without calling the person's name because they don't deserve any of my attention. Yeah, I bet Phil Jimenez just loved that working relationship. I'm probably they're probably like, uh, this is not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Gosh, I just wow. can't believe that person worked for the company that long. Well, anyway. Well, I mean, it was a different time. No, I'm not. Not I'm not. That's well. It <laughs> must have been right time. when that was. Start, you know, it was it right was, around the time of starting. So it was. It was the. Uh, it was. Yeah. It was. It was around the time of the. Uh, the beginning of the all the yeah stuff, all the stupidity all the stupidity of the stuff and then 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 you start to see see people <laughs> yeah and you I'm, find out you find out mm-hmm. ugh gross okay I'm. I will say I'm excited to find out what happens in Scooby Apocalypse number two. Yeah, let's stay focused on the happy thoughts. Because, <laughs> I mean, like the lights went out, but what happened? What's going on outside? Are they stuck in the safe place or do they have to leave? They have to leave, of course. I mean, it's just it's just what has to happen. Yeah, I guess it was 2018 when that rolled. So, yeah. OK, well, fun. Well, <laughs> we get a spotlight on Green Lantern. So we find out about Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz at the back end. Mm-hmm. Someday we're going to do a Jessica Cruz story because she's my favorite. Cool. And yeah, I think we're good for issue one. I guess that means we have to do more Scooby because we can't just end with the world turning into a bunch of monsters by nanites. No, we can't. Maybe maybe next time we'll tackle two. 
two, not not just number two, but we'll tackle two yeah. two books. Well, to your point, like when I was asking if we should do two today, you, you know, you said one and I did forget it was a double story. They, there are a lot of double stories in these, but they're not all 36 pages. So, yeah, I, I saw the page count and I was like, "Ooh, this is a lot. It's it's a bigger it's a bigger, chunky book. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, the book's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a it was a fun read. It was a nice a, a nice um, uh, re envisionment of childhood favorites, or at least for some of us, uh, not for you, but a good way for you that wasn't into these characters as a child as much as others to go. Oh, I could give them a shot now. They're different. Yeah. I love this book. It's it's a fun read, and it's it a, just it just shows how like you take. Uh, you take some veteran writers and give them a concept and, mm-hmm. and let them run. Yeah. And see what, see where the day takes you. And it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, I can't, I, it's great. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I just keep saying it's great. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's great. No, it's, it's phenomenal. That's, that's, I think that's what happens when you find a fun book like this, that you're not expect. You're, you don't go, you don't set the bar super high because you know, what the base material is and then you go into something like this and you're oh wow all the art looks really good all these panel layouts are really superb i'm not expecting that it's gonna it's like i'm i'm it's a feast for the eyes the obviously like i know that the the scripting is going to be good the story is going to be good but i didn't think it could be i didn't think they could take the source material and make it this so it's definitely it's a nice it's a nice break away from the previous um, few months of stuff we've been reading. It's yeah. light and it's airy. So, but what do you expect when you're checking out Scooby-Doo? Well, I hope so. And it's <laughs> serious and it's, it's, it's going to get more fun. You can, ex- you can, it's going to be both serious and fun. Oh no. You can have, well, you should expect it. You know, that's uh okay. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> Well, cool. I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next time we chat. Yeah. Well, that should put a wrap on it this time. So, yeah, we'll we'll roll till next time. <laughs> I don't know. We'll be back till next time when we come back to funny book forensics. That's where I'm going to end it. I'm, I'm hitting the stop button now. Unless there's something else you're going to say. Are you saying something else? Are you going to say something else now? No.